Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree Podcast, episode 43. Typically, I haven't been drinking alcohol on these pods, but it is a very special night. It's Father's Day Eve, and you got me a real beer. Got you a real beer. I got you your favorite dinner. Things are... (laughs) (laughs) Just the sandwich I've had one other time in my life is now my favorite dinner. Two other times, and it's a delicious sandwich. But before we get too into the weeds on sandwiches, I do want to say that I am so excited for this episode, folks. It's going to be a lot of fun for you. We have Perez Hilton joining us. He talks about a ton of things for ages with us. It was so much fun. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking, why would Perez Hilton be on a family podcast? Because I guess he's kind of a polarizing figure too. Yes. And a lot, when, when you say his name, the first thing that comes to mind isn't single father of three. Mm-mm, no. But that's what he is. And he was so different than I thought he was going to be. And I don't know if he's acting or not, but I really bought into his kind hearted approach I guess to this conversation you know what when I was prepping for the podcast and kind of looking at his home videos because he has an entire channel on YouTube that just kind of home videos of him and his kids speaking Spanish it just gave me the warm and fuzzies like crazy and like several of the videos and I don't understand Spanish even close to fluently I had tears in my eyes just watching them they're the cutest little family but he is a single gay father of three and that's a fascinating story in itself but then he also talked about I feel like everything under the sun we talked about COVID we talked about Black Lives Matter we talked about him being an it girl yeah we talked about him being an it girl we talked about redemption the idea of that and kind of being a former bully and I guess you know to be honest he still runs a gossip blog now and it's hard to run a gossip blog and not be considered a bully Mm -hmm. so he talks about how he's kind of grappling with that and we talk about fuck you money a lot in this (laughs) (laughs) because Perez on CelebrityNetWorth.com, it says he has this astronomical figure. I wanted to find out, does he actually have that amount of money? Stay tuned to find out the answer. I don't, I don't <laughs> like teasers, but whatever. Uh, and after Perez, we have a fantastic, fantastic interview that you're going to love with Kristen and Dina from Big Little Feelings. So they are toddler tantrum experts. And obviously, Lou is going through this like really crazy, bossy, rambunctious, wild time in her life. And it is exceptionally hard to navigate especially when she's like coming at you sometimes with all of her limbs it can get dangerous and sometimes when we do the interviews that are more educational based and less celebrity centric i'll admit it i zone out sometimes and i just (laughs) let you handle it but these people have such a good way of explaining things they do in a really fun easy to digest way that I've actually applied everything they've said since this conversation. And in a way, it's changed my life. I've been noticing that you've been doing that. Yeah. With zero hyperbole, it has changed Mm -hmm. my life with Lucy. And everything they've suggested has worked. Especially the tip they give about when the kid's throwing, when Lucy's throwing food on the floor and what to do. Like, I don't want to reveal it now. Because, like, listen, because they explained it better than I ever could. Yeah. But it works. It does work. It works like crazy. So Uh, props to them because I am not a person who can, I'm impervious to learning and they made me learn. Yeah. No, Shane, usually after one of these podcasts, I will kind of reiterate what we went through and what we talked about. 
and then we will together apply it to our parenting. But Shane was the one to like digest so much of this information. It's been, it has been awesome. So we hope that you guys pick up just as much from them as we did. Yeah, but back to the chicken sandwich. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a chicken sandwich episode to be honest. No, but I seriously appreciate that sandwich. I do really like it. And, uh, I was wanting when you told me you were ordering me something as a surprise I thought I'm going to be mad in a way unless it's a sandwich I'm obviously not going to say I'm mad if something other than this delicious sandwich shows up (laughs) but that's exactly what I wanted and it's so rare for that to happen and you got me a beer and I never three beers three beers I never drink anymore so this feels so extra special and I just wanted to give you a kiss with a little bit of tongue on air right now there you go Huh? That's the best. I feel so good now. But did it feel Father's Day-y? It did. It, and uh, I can't wait. Like, I know there's obviously going to be more gifts tomorrow. And I, <laughs> I don't want to put any pressure on you because you've already, you've already won Father's Day. But, yeah, to any listeners who have been with us through our journey till now, they're probably wondering, why has the podcast seemed to gone up a level, been, be supercharged lately? And the answer to that question is, we expected to have a show on Crave, which in Canada is like our Netflix. Like we were basically expecting to have been finished filming by this point. Finished filming and have it on air. That Mm -hmm. was our hope right now. Obviously, COVID happened and we just said, F it. We're bringing the show to the people. You're welcome. No, that's my line. (laughs) Don't don't steal my catchphrases. (laughs) We're bringing the show to the people. And we're bringing the high caliber guests because we don't know how long this is going to last. So yeah, so it is happening. It's here. We are excited. We hope you guys are excited. But I want to bring it back to reality a little bit and our future in the next, what, three weeks. Shane, in what ways do you feel like you are ready for a second child that's imminent? No ways. I was just going to say, in what ways do you not feel ready? I guess the way I feel ready is the fact that we already have a kid. Yeah. So obviously, last episode, we were talking about how we needed to have our bags packed by that Monday, the following Mm -hmm. Monday. We did not pack our bags. And the the problem with that is we're so confident because we already have a kid that we're not stressed out enough to do due diligence and prepare. And it's going to bite us in the ass. We need to get our asses in a year. Like I did a post today on what's in my hospital bag. Not because I've already packed it, but I did write my list. So I did my post based on what I'm going to put in my hospital bag. Like I literally feel as we speak that this baby is going to slip out of me like right now. And I still haven't done it. So I don't know what needs to happen to scare me enough to be like, okay, done now. But I think once work ends for me on Tuesday... I'll be more ready for it. Mm-hmm. So this kid just has to hold on, I'd say, for, you know, another week at least. Yeah. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Like, honestly, what's the worst that can happen? The kid's going to come. He's going to cry. He's going to poop. Or she. It's a girl, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know that. She's going to do all the stuff that babies do. And it, we're going to be stressed out. And we're probably going to have a couple freakouts on each other. And then things are going to just be our new life. And it's going to be fine. See, I just want to get our bedroom clean. Like our bedroom and this chair that's in front of us in our podcast studio slash living room. It's just got clothes. Once the clothes are away and the laundry is at a normal pace, I'll feel good. And I, I feel don't like- see that ever happening. And I've just accepted it. We are pigs. I was born a pig. I'm always going to be a pig. I thought I would marry someone who isn't a pig. I've married a bigger pig than myself. 
<laughs> and now I'm trapped in pigdom. No, but the thing is, we try and we clean something up every day. We're always cleaning, but everything gets messy. So how do you clean all of your house when all of it gets messy every day? Usually you need one person in the family to be an A-type personality. Yeah, but then how do they just... Like, I don't, I don't have time between work and the baby and Well, the, you can always find the time. And the problem is people like us aren't going to find the time. No, we get, like, I think finally off at, what, 8.39 at night. And by that Depending, point... Depending... Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you set them up. I try to knock them down. We're but. just done so. Who wants to fold laundry when it's Seinfeld time, basically? It's true. Uh, on my topic list here, I have a story about Lou embarrassing me oh i've been excited for this okay shane has been keeping this story from me all week don't build it up so much it's not some great story well shane i gotta tell them where i'm at with listening to this okay because i am excited i don't care if it's a good story or not i've been waiting for this all week okay it's not that good but (laughs) so i have this fear of babies embarrassing me in public (laughs) and I, I honestly Just do. Just babies in general or no, our babies? No, well, toddler age, two-year-old, mm. anything. Being in an awkward position where either a baby makes fun of me and so, you know, like, you know, they just have, <laughs> they just have a stream of consciousness you can't control. <laughs> like, you know, if a baby sees me and it's like, why is your nose so big? I have like a, <laughs> I, I have a fear like, and I'm going to feel awkward and everyone's going to laugh at me. But wait, 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 where does this stem from? Like, have you been made fun of a baby I've been teased before? by kids before. <laughs> Not like younger children have teased me and you can't do anything. You can't get mad. And you have the famous story where a black person walked by you when you were two years old and you said, look, mommy, a chocolate person. Yes. So I've been like, what is going to be my version of that with Lucy? And I've mm-hmm. been hoping nothing happens like that because I just don't know how to react to that. I'm terrible around awkward situations. Yeah. I'm not smooth. So we're on our front lawn and a woman is wheeling. She's not wheeling. She's on a, um, <laughs> she's in a wheelchair, but it's a motorized one. Okay. And she's coming down and it's oddly quiet. There's like nothing else. There's no distractions or anything. And it's <laughs> coming by. And this woman is like very paralyzed. She's not just right. in a wheelchair. She's very paralyzed. And I don't want Lucy to make a scene or do anything. And I don't want to rush Lucy away like, oh, let's get out of here mm-hmm. to avoid it. So I'm trying to act like everything is totally normal. Right. So Lucy, of course, sees the motorized wheelchair and is like, oh, what's that? What's that? Whoa, whoa, what's that? Is that a motorcycle? I'm like, no, that's not a motorcycle. And then the wheelchair comes by. She's like, what's that? What's that? (laughs) And I'm like, that's cool. (laughs) And I'm like, that's so cool. And I don't don't know what to say. I'm like caught up just saying that's cool. And the woman just keeps motoring by. Like, I don't even know if she had the ability to speak. But I'm like, look how cool that is. And I'm really doubling down. And I just like, this is so patronizing, so terrible. I seem like such a douche. And it's like, I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't want to be like, oh, sorry, it's not cool that you're paralyzed. Uh, Actually, and it's like, and every time this week I was thinking about the story, I couldn't stop like hate laughing because i hate that moment so bad but i'm laughing at how awkward it but was it is you, even if it's motorized i'd be calling that a, whe- a, a wheelchair yeah but okay so she comes by and it's like what's that and she's like inches away from me i'm like that's a wheelchair yeah. for paralyzed i, I didn't want to i don't think you have to get into the fact that she's paralyzed. <laughs> I, I think you can just say it's a wheelchair <laughs> i know but but it was <laughs> I don't consider it a wheelchair unless it's actually a chair that is manual, a motorized. Oh, okay. Semantics, wheelchair semantics, a chair that has wheels that you press a button. 
can't be called a wheelchair. Okay. You have to be able so, to okay, use so your hands. Okay, so in that hands. situation, the that's woman, ableist. The woman comes by and you just go, that's a wheelchair, Lucy. Yeah. Okay. I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like an idiot. And I'm, uh, anyone who's disabled listening to this, I feel like such a jerk for even, you know, like I know that's stupid and I don't think it's funny or but anything. I just told it so awkward. Here's the thing. You, you know... <laughs> You know how to react and you know how you feel about it, which is that you don't feel any way about it, really. It's just life. Uh, However, you don't really think about explaining it until you have a kid and until you have to explain it to a kid. And then it's funny because it does throw you in awkward positions Mm -hmm. because then you realize how inept you are at explaining something. And, like, I've been finding this so frequently because, like, even my... You know, I'm trying to integrate black dolls and skin color and talking about race in a very casual way with Lucy right now. Yeah. And I'm even sitting there and, you know, we're looking at all the Disney princesses and she's talking about all the colors of their dresses, of their skin, of their hair. And I'm even having like a hard time trying to think of how to say things like, do you just say, what's the color of tiana's skin what's the color of princess so, jasmine's yeah. but it, and it feels odd though right and it, it that's just because what if we're a little person walks it? by a little person like i'm i'm with lucy we're playing on the front lawn oh. a, a little person walks by right. and they walk by and there's no other distractions it's just footsteps the little person and then i go that's a little person lucy what that <laughs> what that whoa and i go that's a little person is that what i said i, I know i just think you said that's a person that's a person. Just, but she's they, pointing out the, the difference. She's like wondering. Well, then I think we just say, well, some people are tall. Some people are smaller. And I'm saying this as the little person's walking <laughs> by. <laughs> That's what I'm asking, Alex. What do I say as then the person's as, walking by? In that situation, as the person's walking by, I'd say... That's a person. And honestly, Shane, she'd probably, in that situation, think it was a <laughs> so, kid. But, okay, I know. But I'm saying, what if it is, and it's a very obvious little I person. Just, I just hope I'm there so for if, this, to how, witness it. But how bad do you feel if you are the little person, and someone has to explain that you're a person? Okay, so I've already ordered uh, black Barbies from Amazon. Am I now adding wheelchair Barbie, little person Barbie? What else can we find? What other Barbies are there that I can throw on my list to have I, a diverse see, I, flavor? See, I knew you wouldn't have a good answer. All right. <laughs> Speaking of disabilities, though, yes. and this is a serious topic here, okay. you need to get a hearing aid. Ugh. No, I know. And uh, you, you just called me ableist or whatever. And I think you are being ableist by not getting a hearing okay, aid. Okay. Because called... you think you're going to look so old or something or it's going to no, be uncool. No. You need one. And this is a problem in our relationship. <laughs> do you know? You don't know. I've called you out so many times, asked you to do things, and you just haven't responded to me. And I know you didn't <laughs> hear me. I didn't know it. And it's a, it's it's an honestly got problem. I'm not even trying to be funny here. No, I you know you need to get one. I know you're not. Okay, here's the thing. And this is you have a, it's a it's in your family. You have a family history of getting hearing. Your dad got a hearing aid when he was probably in his mid 30s. You need to get one. Okay, listen. A typical situation in which this would happen. Shane, you're in the kitchen. You're smetting around with the pots and the pans, putting them away or something. I'll be in the living room with Lucy. You know, in the morning, and the TV will be on, and then. Not only do I have Lucy yapping in my ear, but the TV's coming my way. You got the pots and pans. So if you ask me something, of course I'm not going to hear you. No, no, no. This transcends pots and pans. I'm telling you. In regular situations when there's no pots and pans? Yes. Like what? When? 
well, there's there's been so many, it's hard to pinpoint. <laughs> I'd be no, like, oh, can, can you pass me that? Can you pour me a glass of chocolate milk? This is me walking by to the editing. No reaction. No reaction. Like, you don't even know that you can't hear because you can't even hear something that you don't know you can't hear. It's not, you don't even hear a smattering of noise to even go, pardon me. You just don't How hear. How quietly are you saying these things? I'm a normal speaking person. I have a hard time believing that I'm just not hearing things like that. Any criticism you have a hard time hearing. <laughs> we know that's a problem in this relationship. <laughs> no, but truly, I look, if it starts to get really bad, like worse than now, it, and it, if it, it can't get worse than my, now. It, it can't get worse than now. It can, but we're going to have serious problems if it gets any worse. Well, maybe just don't get so fed up. Alex, I'm mentioning it only for the podcast. I saved this for the podcast. I'm not fed up. I'm just frustrated because I want us to be able to communicate. Well, look, when, okay, they're going to have little microchips that they can just put in my ear to make me hear everything super well soon. Yeah, and flying cars in 2020. Wait, it is 2020. Just do it now. I just, well, we'll see. I'll get my ears tested and we'll see what they say. It's not going to be a good result. Okay, uh, Lucy fell on her face and got hurt under your watch again. Uh, I'll skip that topic. She's <laughs> fallen down the stairs in your watch, gotten her face all ruined. But uh, okay, that's I, yeah. We've talked a lot, so maybe. Yeah. Do you have any other topics? None that are going to even come close to the guest interviews that we have. So I want to get to those. I'm pretty excited for them. What were some? Like, let's just humor me here. We won't get into it. But what are your topics? Sick kids on opening schools. So Sick Kids Hospital and their statement on opening schools. Okay, boring. <laughs> I, I had a topic about should police officers be able to swear? No, we want to we want to maintain a level of decorum, I think. I know cuz I think the swearing that the police officers like anytime you see a video where a police officer is getting really aggressive, it's like put that fucking thing down. Put that fucking thing down. And I think if they had to like you know how you as a teacher, yeah. you can't swear to a student even if you're sworn at. Mm-hmm. And it helps you keep your composure in a way. Yeah. I do think it, there could be some benefit to police not being allowed to swear. Yeah. And I, we would actually respect them more because we'd hold them to a proper value. Hey, everybody needs a little patience, and especially with what's going on now. But you think that's a good idea? I think it's a great Because I can't idea. swear at my job. Why think, can police swear at theirs? See, I think it's a great idea. And I also think that maybe swearing should only be allowed in happy circumstances. Right. Like, oh, that's so effing cool. Like stuff like that. Okay, so uh, I like that idea. <laughs> so let's go to Perez Hilton right now. Let's do it. But before we do that. We are supported by Tushy. And I must say, this is probably my favorite product of the year. <laughs> and yeah, we talk about products for babies, products for you, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is something I actually get to enjoy myself. Tushy is a simple, sleek, modern bidet attachment, and I absolutely Love it. It was my dream to use a bidet since I was a young boy. <laughs> I always thought it was reserved for the very wealthy or royalty or something. But now I have a bidet in my very own home. It was very easy to install. I save money on toilet paper. Not that I ever used a lot anyway, but you do. Yes. Okay. So the average person uses about 57 sheets per day. So you I've... probably use what? Triple that? Yeah. And for each roll of toilet paper, it takes 37 gallons of water. Did you know one go to the washroom with the tushy only requires a pint of water to make your butthole essentially sparkling clean? I didn't know that. (laughs) But I will say this. This product pays for itself. And I think in this household, it paid for itself probably in the first two weeks (laughs) alone, the way you've been using it. So 
I would recommend Tushy not just for Shane and I, but for any other moms who are pregnant postpartum because it truly helps with that. So if you've had a baby, you know how painful it is to wipe with TP. So I'd say baby shower gift. It's an amazing unconventional gift for anybody at any stage in their life. And really, everybody has an ass, so everybody deserves the gift of tushy. That's true. And don't be like me. Don't use wet wipes if you want this <laughs> feeling that I was after, which tushy provides. <laughs> wet wipes are terrible for the environment. They cause anal fissures, which is what I think I had. This product's only $79, and we are going to give you 10% off with our special website promo code, which is? Yes, go to hellotushy.com slash this family tree for that 10% off. And guys, enjoy the cleanest butt feeling that you will ever know. But, no pun intended, we are also supported by Hey You, the ultimate place to go if you're a fan of reality TV like Shane and I. There's over 8,000 episodes from 300 different reality shows, including The Real Housewives, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and Million Dollar Listing. It has honestly been the best stress reliever of all time. Oh my God. It, it's been keeping us sane. And what I love about it is you can start a series from episode one, which came in handy for us because Alex actually started Vanderpump at season three because I introduced you at the midway point. You did. So we were able to go all the way back to the beginning. And to be honest, I liked it better the second time around. <laughs> oh, well, it was just great to know the backstory and all these characters that I started watching kind of midway through everything with you. It's been so much fun it's been such a good way to relax what i love is how quick it is like episodes are available the same day as when they come out on tv we subscribe to so many services right now but this is the cheapest in fact it is the price of a fancy smoothie at 5.99 a month yes that's canadian funds with no contract and it's easy to sample. To get started, Canadians can visit heyyou.ca and begin one month free. And unlike this podcast, all content is ad-free. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. But this is an annoying ad, you know? Me and you are doing it kind of fun, right? No, I think we're doing it fun and we love it. And the other cool thing about Hey You, when you do start going back to work, Shane, which is a really crappy... I'm never going back, but continue. continue. <laughs> it's a really crappy thought. Through the Hey You app and Amazon Prime, you can watch everything from Hey You on your mobile phone, your tablet, your computer, or your smart TV. So all the content is available for download for on the go. And really, it's perfect for travel and the commute. But to say the least, it super serves reality fans, which we both are. Now, let's get on to our interview with the one, the only, Big Little Feelings. No, this is Perez Hilton, Alex. Perez Hilton. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. Hello, hello. Perez, we are so happy to have you on today. I have to say, I have been a fan of yours since 2006 when I was sitting in university classes scrolling oh. through when I should have been paying attention. And <sighs> you have been involved in so much in your career, which has been truly interesting. But most interesting, I think, is that you, unknowingly, were the first person to wish my daughter a happy first birthday last year via Cameo. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy second birthday soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But so, Perez, I'm not here to talk only about what you've been through in your career, but as a father of three, a single gay father of three, we are a family podcast, and I'm so curious about that experience because it's something I know nothing about what even brings you to saying you know what I'm going to take this on 
it's just me. I am gay. This is going to be unconventional, but I want to take this on by myself. So what drove you to wanting to start a family? I knew I always wanted to have children. It was just a question of when. And the when was when I was at a point in my life when I felt comfortable with the possibility and probability of my career suffering as a result of me having children. Mm -hmm. Because in many ways, the trajectory of my career and my life is that of, while not being that, but somewhat similar to that of a woman. Uh, Because, you know, not every marriage or relationship is like this, but more often than not, the woman, the mom is, let's say, more hands-on or spends more time with the kids and the dad can focus on making money or this or that or the other. I'm a very hands-on dad. And I've learned a lot over the last seven years of being a father, both good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Um, Yeah, like even just like right now, given where we are in the world and everything happening, it definitely is a struggle. And Mm -hmm. I knew it would be hard. I knew it'd be challenging. But you never realize just how hard things are going to be until you're in it. Yeah. (laughs) Especially doing it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I I just naively thought, you know, oh, I I can afford to have a nanny help. Even with a nanny helping, it's still going to be hard. (laughs) It's crazy. Especially doing it by, especially because I'm doing it by myself, you know? When, do you even think, oh, I'm a gay man? Does that even come into play or is it just the single dad part that makes it harder? Does being gay add any level of difficulty? Um, well, I feel blessed that I live in Los Angeles where mm-hmm. it's a very, for the most part, accepting community. And I, I'm just like any other dad at my kid's school, even though I'm probably different in many mm-hmm. ways. Of course. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the being a single parent. There's a reason why society for centuries has conditioned people to you know wait until you're in a relationship to mm-hmm. have a child because it's easier mm-hmm. to do everything when you yeah. have a partner. Yeah. Of course, there are tons of single moms and single dads out there and they get it done, but it's absolutely easier if you have someone help. Mm -hmm. I have my mother help, and she's a huge help. In addition to having help, I'm very transparent about that, but she's still my mother. She's still their grandmother. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like even just, like right now I'm dealing with so much and oh, yeah. anxiety and, and stress and uncertainty about the future. And it's still, you know, it's still unclear to us at my kids' school what the fall is going to look like. Well, I'm a teacher myself. I'm a high school teacher and oh, I have wow. no idea. I'm going to be on mat leave, thank God, but I have no idea what that's going to look like and I'm happy to miss out. Well, I do actually know some. I know that we're not returning to school full time. Really? Yeah, they've already announced that. What that's going to look like remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm for my part, my school community. I think it's important to be vocal. Actually, I'm going to email myself. I, I want to email the principal too. <laughs> I've been talking to the teachers. I've been talking to other parents. I've been advocating for a split schedule meaning either a morning shift or an afternoon shift, Mm -hmm. because at least that way kids can go to school every day, five days a week. And I really think that that's important. Even if it's sadly 
just three and a half hours each shift, which is what it would be. That's how I started school here. And I think it's so crucial for the kids' development to see each other and see their peers every day, not just for the kids, but for the parents. You have to work. You have yeah. to take care of your own mental health. And it is so hard right now. And I see so many parents struggling with that. And Oh, I have been majorly struggling with mm -hmm. my mental health. And I... And, and my kids have been struggling with their mental health, even if they don't have the language or awareness to communicate that. And that's mm -hmm. what saddens me. I know that they've been struggling with their mental health, but they don't express that mm -hmm. because they're not aware that their mental health is struggling and they don't have the words to say, oh, something's wrong. You know, because during the normal school year, my kids on a normal school week will never watch TV, mm -hmm. except Friday nights a little bit. But we don't watch TV Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday during a normal school week. We don't have time, nor do I want them to. Of course, yeah. Now, in quarantine, <laughs> they've been watching TV all day long. All day long. It sounds long. like our house. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm so all glad you said long. that. I'm so glad you said that. All day long. Like, literally... From me, from like my son, as soon as he gets up, he'll turn the TV on and until the evening to the point where if I say, hey, let's go outside and play for a bit or just go out and just, or just be outside, mm -hmm. they don't want to, mm -hmm. especially my son who's seven. The girls that are five and, and almost three, they're, they're more open to going outside, but my son's happy just being glued to the TV. <laughs> and part of me is like, okay, all right, fine. Um, but yeah, you know, we still get our play in and, yeah. you know, actually it's interesting because like even in isolation, trends happen just naturally and organically they, mm -hmm. don't, they don't pick up from their friends like our newest trend in our house is to throw parties <laughs> the kids will throw parties and they'll invite me and and the grand and my grand and grandma uh and there's even like invite sign up sheets and everything and then we'll have adorable. a party <laughs> in the bedroom that's um, the cutest that's a good new trend. Um, I, you see, we got to bring more of that. We wear party dresses a lot, but that's as far as it goes. It goes to party dresses, balloons, and then ends it there. Yeah, I love the the, the party idea because they write. So it's, it's engaging them also to use different skills. So they'll mm -hmm. write the invite list. They'll, they'll write um, outside the door Mia's party or Mario's party, and, and then they'll just decorated as well so they're like cutting paper and decorating <laughs> their, their rooms i'm all about that <laughs> no that's the best and you mentioned how your kids uh you know when we we're talking about like being in isolation and taking time for mental health and your kids are even having a hard time communicating that but i watched a video recently that you put up on your youtube channel it was coming out to your kids and your kids level of communication in that is amazing like they are inquisitive they're empathetic it's incredible. So in the video, you come out to your kids and you talk about their birth stories and how they were born via surrogates and you're not scared of using words like sperm. And I just want to know, were you nervous to talk to them about that? Wow. Uh, I'm amazed you saw that because that was in Spanish. I'm trying to learn, but somebody also did fill in in the comment section. Oh, oh I love <laughs> that. Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, I love authenticity and being honest in every aspect of my life. So on YouTube, for the longest time, when I would make videos with my children, it would just be in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And that's because A, at home, we only speak Spanish. And B, my daughter especially, who was younger, her ability to speak English wasn't just there. It wasn't mm -hmm. that good. 
it's still not that great now, but it's a lot better. She's, uh, you know, just turned five. Oh my God, crazy. <laughs> um, but I've always been honest with my children from the beginning. Like they've always known that their family is different. Mm-hmm. I believe that, that words and communication matter and, and how you communicate and being effective at their level. So, you know, I never felt the need to say, oh, I'm gay and I'm interested in men. Uh, and I never felt the need to go into the minutia of the process. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, my son, who was the first to ask me questions about a mom and this, that, and the other, I, I, the way that I explained it to him and that I've continued to explain, but then build upon and go into more detail as I did in that video, the, the basic foundation, the building block of me explaining to my kids that their family is not like everybody else's was to be very concrete and specific and say, look, your grandmother lives with you guys. Mm -hmm. That is not very common. Mm -hmm. Most grandmothers don't live with their grandchildren. Yours does. Your family is different. Your family is special. Your family is awesome just the way it is. And then I would go, and that was the initial building block. And then the next time we had a conversation, I would say the same thing and say, your family is different. Some families don't have a grandmother that live mm-hmm. with them, but some families have two moms that live with the, their, their children, or some families have two dads, or some kids even have three moms. You know, every family looks different and different is beautiful and different is okay and different is awesome definitely and you definitely have a different career to say the least i'm always fascinated by your sheer output of work and when you get more success i usually think oh somebody might take it easy because you have reached such a high level but you seem to be working just the same as you were in the beginning how do you have time to parent three children and work seemingly 24 7. I deal with a lot of guilt uh, because I don't do as much as I would like. I would love to even be more hands-on with my kids. And I work, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. There's two things at play. Well, actually, it's not, even, it's not even two things. I mean, I work because I'm selfish, because I love being a dad, and it makes me so happy. But my children are not mine anymore. You know, they are their own people and they're not like pets that I can control. When they are adults, they're going to start living their own lives. And then what do I do? Yeah. You know, I'll still be in my 50s when my kids are all out of the house. I I love working. I love being creative and, and doing all the different things that I do from not just my website, but to my YouTube channels, to my podcast. I've done acting over the last couple of years, just TikToks, whatever. I enjoy it. It makes me happy. I don't define myself through my work, but it it often makes me happy. And then it also doesn't always make me happy because like you said, I'm constantly putting output out mm-hmm. and creating. And I do that because of necessity. I don't have FU money in the bank. Yeah, I was watching an interview with, I, th- I believe it was Keisha Shante. She was asking you about yeah. that and you were talking about fuck you money. Yeah, I don't have it. But I looked up, and I don't want to embarrass you, and I won't say how much it is, but it seems like you have quite a bit on CelebrityNetworth.com. No, I made a video about that last year. I wish that was true. Oh, it's they not. Say I'm worth, no, are you kidding? If I was worth $30 million, like they claim I am, I wouldn't be working as hard as I do. If I was worth $30 million, 
I would make three million. No, I would make three hundred thousand dollars a year plus just doing mm-hmm. nothing, like just interest. Would you be doing this podcast right now if you made thirty? <laughs> if you had thirty million in the bank, if, would I be doing your podcast <laughs> yes. right now? Yes. Yes, because I got a new book coming out in October that I want to promote. So hell yeah! Uh, if any of you are interested in my life as a parent, celebrities, the immigrant experience, growing up gay in Miami in the 90s, and you know all the different aspects of my life and things that you can read about in my book. It's available right now to purchase at PerezHiltonBook.com. That's PerezHiltonBook.com. It's called TMI, My Life in Scandal. Perfect. Well, hopefully that ends up getting you some fuck you money, which brings <laughs> me to my next question. I doubt it. What is fuck you money and how much? I would say fuck you money is $20 million okay. in the bank. Good, because I was a little depressed when I found out you didn't think you had it, but now you explained yourself. So, But I, I don't even it. have anywhere near $20 million in the bank. You know, I made a lot of mistakes when I was younger. I didn't save smartly or invest at all. Mm-hmm. And I also wasted too much money in legal bills people suing mm-hmm. me all the time that ended up costing me millions upon millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, Perez, like you have been embroiled in so much drama, so much stuff, like from your inception. So yeah. when your kids are a little bit old enough and, you know, they can search you up and they can find this stuff online, are you going to address it with them? And Oh, absolutely. I think it's a great thing that, that well, it's a double-edged sword yet again, like everything. Everything in life has a positive and a negative. But I think that me having a checkered past is a good thing because it shows my kids, look, you're going to make mistakes too. That's part of life. You're going to screw things up and you're going to learn from that and, and hopefully be better and do better. And because I've done so many things and made so many mistakes, I think your father is pretty wise in many ways and I can give you some sage advice. I'm also wise enough to know you're going to do whatever you want to do, but at least listen to me and let that marinate. And how do you feel about redemption? Like, obviously you've mentioned you have a checkered past and people are still accepting you. You haven't been canceled. How do you feel about the idea of cancel culture and the idea of redemption? I haven't been canceled because I'm constantly canceled (laughs) 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 Um, meaning you know people are always bringing up my past and the mistakes that i made continually all the time i've just and i've just accepted that that's what's going to happen and like for example too like let's say god blessed me with a tv show Mm -hmm. if it was announced that i got a tv show i know without a doubt that people that hate me out there, and there's a lot, are going to try to get me canceled from mm-hmm. that TV show right. even before it airs. They're going to bring up every receipt and everything in the past that I've done that I've already apologized for, that I feel deep shame and remorse for. But I don't think that cancel culture is a bad thing, actually, mm-hmm. because I think that it can lead to positive change and good coming out of it. But being an entrepreneur itself gives you a little bit of immunity because you kind of control your own destiny. But I brought up the example that if I was to get a TV show, mm-hmm. a talk show or whatever, it could get canceled and it could get put off the air before it even yeah. airs because of a campaign to bring me down. 
I'm aware of that possibility. And that's actually one of the reasons why I may not even get a TV show because networks might be afraid of yeah. that. Happen- I don't even know. I don't care. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't focus on that. I just got to keep the hustle going. Um, and, and thankfully I, I, I still get some really cool opportunities. Like even though this has been a pretty awful year for most of us, it started off well. I was on an Australian TV show called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Australia. <laughs> and that was really hard, but really fun at the same time. But the perfect example, you know, in America, well, all over the world, really, people have been following the story of Leah Michelle, the former Glee actress, who recently was canceled. And I've lost count. Well over a dozen former co-stars came forward saying that she was an awful person, Mm -hmm. totally miserable. I do believe that because of that cancellation and the cancel culture, she'll be a better person going forward. Yeah. Right. So you believe that people do have a capacity to change? Oh, absolutely. I think I have. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still not perfect. I still make mistakes. But I think I, I don't think I know I do things better than before. How, how hard is it to have a celebrity gossip blog and try to walk that line of not being a bully and have it still be entertaining? It's so hard because just by having an opinion, that can upset a celebrity and an innocuous opinion as simple as, Oh, um, Michael Buble released a new song. I don't like it. Oh, I hate the new song. It sucks. Oh, this is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. (laughs) That doesn't mean I think Michael Buble is an awful person Mm -hmm. or I, I don't even think that's mean. That's just my opinion on a song. Oh, this song sucks. Mm -hmm. That's, That's my opinion. But just by saying that, you know, celebrities, artists are, sensitive people and they invest so much in their art or whatever it is like me saying i think a song sucks perez should have not even said anything why are you going to say it sucks just keep your opinion to yourself blah blah mm-hmm. blah i've accepted that even though i don't do things how i used to just by sheer nature of what i do people will get could get upset and it is what it is Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's no avoiding that in a lot of cases. And as long as we're just trying to be the best people and working to move forward and make change in a lot of regards, then we're on the right track. And one thing that I was reading about you recently was that a few years ago, and like you've already talked about this, you've apologized about it, uh, was that you were saying that you hope your son doesn't grow up to be gay. And then something about dance classes. And then I was read a meme today, actually, that said, you know, if you're going to worry about your kid's sexuality, then just don't have kids because that's out of your control. I see both perspectives because it's, for me, it's impossible not to. However, I'm not a gay person. I have, don't, I don't have that lived experience, whereas you do. Yeah. And I talk about it in my book, you know, growing Mm -hmm. up gay in Miami in the nineties when culture and society and acceptance and visibility was much harder and growing up in a Latino community in a religious community as well. It was really hard. It's still really hard. Mm -hmm. Like people may not be aware of everything that's happening or that's still happening. Like even last month in May of 2020, the president of the United States of America was advocating to make it harder and wanted, literally wanted to prevent LGBT Americans from adopting. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You can Google that. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah, we are still discriminated against. Members of the trans community are the most vulnerable and fragile. They, so many of them are abandoned by mm-hmm. their families, have to live on the streets. A lot of them end up doing sex work uh, and end up getting murdered. So mm-hmm. many of them, the, the murder and suicide rate for trans people is so high and also the mur- the suicide rate for queer lgbt gay and lesbian people is much higher than their straight peers mm-hmm. still that tells you something oh absolutely that tells you something and like as a parent like i get it maybe it was bad or stupid of me to try to think that i could take on all the pain or suffering or shelter my kids from any hardship in the future they're they're, they're gonna experience it mm-hmm. but even something like In America, you look at somebody like Ryan Seacrest, who for his whole career has been dogged by rumors of being gay. Even effeminate or, you know, metrosexual Mm -hmm. straight men are discriminated against and rumored about, talked behind their backs just because they don't fit into a stereotypical uh, heteronormative mold. Yeah. What about when it's someone like John Travolta? And it seems like there's an overwhelming thought that he is gay, but he's hiding it. Is that different? Like, do you ever comment on that at all in kind of a gossipy way? Well, I used to, and that's something I don't do anymore, um, with two exceptions. (laughs) (laughs) There's always an exception to every rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to out people. I don't do that anymore. I regret that. Uh, last year, I outed the son of the Sultan of Brunei, who is gay, after the Sultan of Brunei said that uh, it was going to be this Sharia law where mm-hmm. gay men and women could be murdered in Br- Brunei, oh, Brunei, yeah. Brunei, uh, for being gay. Having said that, the reason I outed the son of Brunei is, well, I know he's gay. I know him <laughs> from back in the day in, in London. And I thought that was important. Same with just last week. I didn't quite out him, but I, I amplified a story of this closeted Republican, allegedly closeted Republican senator, Lindsey Graham, and all of these male escorts coming forward. I'm not going to, and I don't, and I, that's not even something I do regularly, but it, when you have these instances of lawmakers, hypocrisy mm-hmm. and it affecting other people, I feel it's important to shine a light on that yeah well because because it impacts the direct well-being of so many people that are affected because these guys are in positions of power and that's something else i want to ask you about because you are dedicating so much time so much energy so much content right now into the black lives matter movement and i want to know if that was because you're feeling their struggle in the sense that you're also a part of a you know, often stigmatized, discriminated against group? Well, all of that. I will never fully understand the struggle of what it is to be Black in America Mm. or to be Indigenous in Canada. I saw that story of that um, chief from a tribe that that had a a really violent altercation with police Mm. there in Canada. But I do know what it feels like to be hated. And Maybe part of that has to deal with do with being gay, and maybe part of that has to do with being Latino. But an even bigger part of that is being Perez Hilton. Yeah, I know what it means to be hated and persecuted 
for the majority of my career, I've been disliked more than I've been liked. So I've always been a champion and an advocate for justice Mm -hmm. and, and for what is right. The perfect example, like it's so funny how you do things and you don't even realize you do things and, and somebody can, can, can call you out on it and be like, you do this, don't you? And I'm like, whoa, I do. <laughs> I was on that show. I mentioned, I mentioned the, the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here Australia. Mm-hmm. Before you do a show like that, you have to take a bunch of written assessments, standardized questionnaires like you get a sense of who you are as a person and then you do a, either an in-person or a FaceTime session with a psychologist and then before you get on the show you meet with them in person again mm-hmm. so before I went into the jungle I had like two phone calls an in-person meeting all the paperwork and he totally the psychologist knew who I was what made me tick all of these things then during the show there was an altercation where this campmate was being picked on by all these other people and i just could not see that i I couldn't stand that i'm like this guy he was the the chef he's a chef and he was cooking for everybody and people were just like picking on him and i'm like wait 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 stop for a minute and this guy is only trying to be fair he said to just to cut up the banana it was called banana gate it was so (laughs) stupid people fighting over a banana over bananas and i needed to take a time out and i went to go talk to the psychologist during the show, which is like a little behind the scenes thing, you know, those all those shows have psychologists on call and you can't spend time with them. And the guy said to me, you know, you really are a, 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 an advocate for for justice and you really stand up for mm-hmm. what, when you when you see injustice. And I'm like, yeah, I've always been that way, you know, and, and even with my website, I, I've kind of been doing that from the very beginning shining the light on celebrities that get it right and those that get it wrong. Yeah, I've just felt like a big connection to this movement and I feel like I've been doing my part. Yeah. Do you think the reason why maybe you were a, a self-described bully in the years gone by because you yourself was bullied and the idea is like hurt people hurt people? I mean, probably maybe, but I need to also take accountability for my own actions and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it and did those things And just because you might have experienced bad things in the past, that doesn't mean you need to perpetuate that or you need to keep the cycle going or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. For me, I was bullied quite a bit in high school and I found I I grew a defense mechanism to attack so I wouldn't be attacked. Probably. Yeah. And and creating this alter ego too. Uh, It made it easier to hide mm-hmm. oh i didn't say those things perez did like right. i don't care if people don't like me because they don't know the real me right there was a real disconnect like a jekyll and hyde but at the end of the day you know it was me writing and doing and saying those things so even in the height of your uh, fame or rudeness online you were not acting that way in public as your real personality as mario for the most part. I mean, sometimes, you know, if I was out at, a, at an event. Yeah, if you were hammered, yeah. <laughs> um, so that kind of, you know, brings me back to just, you know, what you were saying about your, sorry, one second. Perez, you have to excuse me. I am eight and a half months pregnant and my brain is like, it's fried. Uh-huh. Okay. It's She's totally- about to pop. She is about to pop, Perez. <laughs> I'm totally fried. <laughs> you want me to hold this paper? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. But, uh, Okay. So when you said about, you know, wanting to protect your kids from everything and from the hurt and from the pain, I think that is something that every parent in existence can relate with. 
and can say, you know what, I, I want to do that too. Yeah. Another thing, like another, I made a video around the same time. Like I don't want my kids to be fat either. Mm-hmm. I say this as a former and current fat person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you look great to um, me, yeah. but that's an uh, aside. I, I've gained about 40 pounds in quarantine. Really? Wow. It's so funny how you can re- revert back to your old super bad habit mm-hmm. in times of crisis. So you don't want your kids to be these things, not because you'd be ashamed of them, but because you feel no, other people. No, not ashamed, but only because like, I know that being fat for me, I was discriminated against by gay men. It was harder mm-hmm. to date when I was fat. I felt really insecure, had major self, like lack of self-love, all of those things. And not even that, but also like on a, on a more macro level. As the years went on and I got healthier, I discovered for myself, healthier is happier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eating healthier and also being active is good for my mental health and Absolutely. it's good for my physical health too. Mm-hmm. I'm not walking the walk right now because I'm really struggling. I am truly like some like before quarantine, like I was like a machine. Every day I would post a YouTube video and I would just since quarantine, like I've basically been ignoring my family YouTube channel. And this week, I think I've only gone on Instagram live on my, I'm sorry, I've only gone live on my main, on my pop culture YouTube channel twice, uh, where I would do it before five days a week. Why do you think you are struggling so much, given the fact that you were working from home anyways beforehand? You'd think for you, it wouldn't be that crazy of a transition. Well, because I don't have the help of my mom. Right. And my mom used to be a huge help for me. My mom has made the decision to not have any contact with the outside world because she's very high risk. I thought you said your mom was with you. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, she is, Mm -hmm. but she's for the most part, just staying in the guest house where she lives. Right. She's not really coming over to our house because I have nannies and Mm -hmm. my nannies don't stay here 24 seven. You know, they go back to their homes and their families and that exposes us to, to a risk. A, mm-hmm. You know, it's lower risk, but that still does expose us to risk. So my mom is just staying in her house and just like the little things that she used to do that I now am doing, like mm-hmm. going to the, the the supermarket or going to my P.O. box and picking up the mail, going to the bank, going to put the gas in the car, going to the pharmacy to pick up her medicine, all of these things, the errands, the, the little the little Adds thing up. that, yeah. yeah, oh, that just took me an hour today or an hour and a half. And that's the hour that I used to do my YouTube videos in or this or that or the other. So I actually have less time than I used to before. And it's a struggle. Uh, and and just even for me, like not not having her around as much, I, she's still around, but a lot less. Like she would eat dinner with us before. She doesn't eat dinner with us anymore. Just all of those changes and the lack of, like I haven't even hugged my mother since March when that's, that's hard, hard for me. Cause I'm such a mama's boy and I love her so much, like not mm-hmm. even being able to hug her. And then like, you know, I just read this article yesterday that even when they do come out with a vaccine, they say, they predict that it won't be a hundred percent effective. It'll Scary. be maybe 70 to 80% effective. So does that mean that my mom's never for the rest of her life going to venture out into the outside world? You know, Are we going to have to be wearing masks forever now? That's like, kind of like the situation. I have lupus, so I'm high risk myself. And especially being pregnant, it's just scary. And then when they come out with a vaccine, as a teacher, like, do I go and expose myself to 90 students a day? Because 
I am high risk. And no, like we get that completely because mm-hmm. we're living in the same kind of fear. It's it's very scary. And also Alex's parents, they look after our daughter for mm-hmm. two hours a day. And without that, our whole world would fall out of yeah. orbit. We're both working. We're both doing side projects. And we wouldn't be able to function without that mm-hmm. extra childcare, especially daycare is not open here. Yeah, thank God I have my nannies. But even that, you know, it's like that having it does add more stress, like I said, because they go back home to their families and it's a difficult time for everybody. And then, you know, like with everything that happened in America with all of the protests, like that, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, whatever, I'm chatting with you guys. So this is about me. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I can only imagine, like I said, what a black American feels like, especially because this is an issue that's been going on for lifetimes, generations upon generations. But even just experiencing it the way that I did over the last couple of weeks, it was traumatic. Mm-hmm. And I've, re- I've also um, fairly certain that in addition to my anxiety, I have very serious OCD. Mm-hmm. Not the kind where, um, you know, like you, you count things or the kind where you can't walk on the crack in the sidewalk or whatever, but to the point where like over the last, not this week, but last week and the week before that, like I could not stop consuming this media of what was happening Mm -hmm. like i like to an unhealthy point like i couldn't shut it off and absorbing all of that was really traumatizing for me Mm -hmm. in in a deep and serious way but i kept telling myself i need to share this. I need to use my platform and show people a full picture of everything happening, both the good and the bad and the ugly and the confusing and the in between. And yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty broken right now (laughs) in so many ways. Well, I think you're doing a very good job of showing the bad, the ugly, the confusing and the in between from Florida, which is where so much of the crazy content that you're posting right now is coming from with all these really hateful people. And it's 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 so confusing to me i have to say watching that just that people can continue to be this way and take such a stand for those kind of beliefs during this revolution that's happening yeah it's obvious that those people are getting it wrong and so many people are getting it wrong but i'm also fascinated by the people who are trying to get it right and getting it wrong and i'm referring to the video that a bunch of white celebrities came out with recently where they each said something uh that needs to change And on paper, I guess maybe it seemed like a good idea, but you were just recently commenting on how it was kind of a colossal flop. And could you kind of distill why that was such a bad video? Listen, I applaud the intention behind it, Mm -hmm. but like anything in life, it's about execution. Mm -hmm. How it was put together, to me, it just came across as cringe, (laughs) <laughs> and do you think it's because of the Gal Gadot video? If the Gal Gadot original video of her singing Imagine... No, I still think it would have been cringe. Just the way that it was edited, the the music or whatever sound it was. I don't, I don't remember the, the... You know, it's like it just didn't... It didn't land. It didn't resonate. But I appreciate them. I ra- Listen, it's better to do something than nothing. Mm-hmm. Doing nothing is saying Black Lives Matter and putting a black square. Yeah. That yeah. literally adds nothing and it actually takes away. At least if you're saying something, adding a value, sharing information, donating money, showing up at a protest. Like, I get it. A lot of celebrities are in a difficult situation where if they say something, they're criticized. If they don't say something, they're criticized. Yeah. That's why I think that the best course of action is to say and do, yeah. pair the two together. So mm-hmm. for me, 
I've been saying something and the doing has been sharing this, highlighting that, exposing this person, which is not usually the kind of content that I share, mm -hmm. but I feel like it has been very important to share that. Yeah, doing gossip for good. Yeah, that's been my doing. Um, even though I had to, like, uh, thankfully I didn't lose any followers as a result of this. Though I, I did lose some, but not a ton. Yeah. Uh, and that was something that I, I, I definitely thought about. Like, oh, I might lose followers. But you know what? I don't care. I feel like this is the right thing to do. And it's important as well. No, I was so happy to lose those ones that wanted to get rid of me when I started posting about those things and posting my stance. And I think it's always so important to note that whether we're talking about Black Lives Matter movement, whether we're talking about LGBTQ community, about body size. Women's rights. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to say things wrong. We're going to get things wrong and we're going to fumble and we're going to screw up. People are going to get mad at us. They're going to hopefully call us out. And then as long as we take that information, correct our behavior and keep working mm -hmm. towards a yeah. better version Failing of that knowledge. Failing and falling knowledge. forwards yeah. is better than doing nothing Yeah. Well. I mean, yeah, like even in Canada, mm -hmm. you had the story of Jessica Mulroney oh this God. week. It's all difficult conversations to have. And... um I mean, honestly, like even that woman, I forget her name, Sasha, Sasha Exeter. Exeter yeah. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't think that Jessica Mulroney is racist, but mm -hmm. she does have all this privilege. And the, the thing that really, like, same with like JK Rowling um, and all of her stance on, on trans issue, there is in everything you do a line. And when you cross the line, that's when you get in trouble. I think for Jessica Mulroney in Canada, when she started to reach out to people that this woman worked with, mm -hmm. complaining about her, that wasn't your place. You didn't need to do that. You could have had a disagreement with this woman and you didn't have to then try to hurt her financially. So financially stable. Well, it didn't yeah. make any sense because it... it it's not like Sasha was actually talking directly to yeah. Jessica. I'm sure that they have backstory. I'm sure that there's more in the, their past. Mm -hmm. But still, like, I'm not going to go and say, oh, you shouldn't work with that person because I don't like mm -hmm. them or whatever it is. Or even with, like with J.K. Rowling this week, she wrote a, an essay. Like a 4,000 word essay. <laughs> yeah. And the thing where my light went off is like, okay, you've totally lost me mm -hmm. when she said that she's worried about all of these women that are transitioning. Yeah. And, and, and becoming men. Why? Worry about yourself. Yeah. Don't worry about all these other people. They're transitioning because they want to be their happier, more authentic self. Like, mm -hmm. that's not an attack on you or your womanhood. Like, and then these instances where people do cross the line, it's just, it's, it's a crazy time. <laughs> and, 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 and honestly, oh God, I wish I could be more positive. The rest of this year is going to suck. Oh, we oh, know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something positive. All right. No, I said, I wish I could be more positive. The rest of this year is going to suck. We are going to enter a global depression. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked it hasn't happened already. But even in the US, like people got bailouts, both businesses and individuals. But there's still a lot of individuals that still haven't gone back to work. People not being able to pay mortgages or rents. People still not getting employed. Lots of more jobs that are going to be lost as the as the year ends, especially in the retail sector. Oh my god, I know. I read a prediction that you know there's going to be twenty five thousand stores closing. Oh. We even saw that even in Canada, Starbucks is going to close two hundred Starbucks stores that. in Canada. Mm -hmm. But good riddance, because uh, I saw what they are now forcing their workers to do not support 
uh, on their clothing or anything. Well, they have in, Black uh, Lives Matter. Yeah, isn't isn't uh, some of their materials made by people in prison? Like it's like slave labor type of thing at Starbucks. I didn't know that. That's what I read. That's yeah, fascinating. But, um, yeah, it's gonna be a crazy time, which is also why I'm so thankful that I have been so cheap for the last two years and just saving, 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 saving. For that fuck you money. <laughs> not even that, yeah. but like, because for the uncertainty of the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jeez. Perez, I mean, this is why we're busting our asses, podcasting five nights a week, trying to save up episodes, because we're about to bring another kid into this world. And I've never felt so unsure of things moving forward. Like our babies do at the beginning of July. Well, I was feeling okay oh. until I just heard all this <laughs> info. Just going to uh, end on the most depressing note here. I know. Um but I do believe um, I do believe that you know eventually we'll get to a point where this will have made us all stronger and better from everything that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's happening now is nothing new. Yeah, we've been through moments in the world of pandemics and racial injustice and upheavals and all of that. And this will happen again in the future in different mm-hmm. ways. What that is, I don't know. I can't predict the future, but it'll happen again. History repeats itself over and over and over again. Well, Perez, yeah. if anybody is looking to take a little load off, relax in the evenings, and well, you know what I mean? We all need that mental health space, honestly. <laughs> and. I no, just, I'm just thinking we're uh, going to Perez to relax. <laughs> He's just got me stressed out. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Well, I do think it's, uh, you know, I, when I have the the lesser times that I've been going live on my pop culture YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which is youtube.com slash Perez Hilton, I don't shy away from talking about what's happening in our everyday world. Yeah. And I think it's important, um, you know, just even talking about the coronavirus. I do think while it it, it, it may not be... Th- uh, an escape i do think it can be therapeutic yeah. to hear somebody processing it like you may be and then to make you feel less lonely or less crazy or what it mm-hmm. might be like oh i'm having that thought too or i'm like one of the thoughts i'm having which i'm still i still don't even know how this is a positive way to end it <laughs> i almost i almost would rather that they cancel the upcoming school year yeah because if my son was entering second grade he already had almost the entire spring semester of this year be just Zoom teaching and mm-hmm. lackluster teaching. Like you don't really learn sh- anything mm-hmm. from an hour on Zoom a day. You can say shit, but yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know. Oh, so it's just we mentioned fuck you money several now times. Now he's entering second grade. That's where you really are learning the fundamentals of everything. And mm-hmm. you're built and then you build upon that. If, if his fundamentals and building is going to be subpar, cancel it for the year. I don't know. Or like, it's just. Well, I will say that as a teacher, we are in like crazy discussions right now, trying to figure out where the students are going to be falling off. And like within schools, I know with my school, so I teach high school, we're working together to try to find out where we haven't been able to touch base on with our students and in what regards uh, and in what regards they're going to be at a lower level and then next year kind of picking off from there and going forward just knowing everybody is going to be down here instead of right here it won't be perfect uh, it'll be far from perfect but i they're hopefully working on it the positive thing is everybody for the most part listening right now well not even everybody for the most part everybody listening right now is alive 
so we're alive. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's that's positive. Okay, I feel comfortable ending on that. Hey, we're alive. We're breathing. Hopefully, everyone listening is healthy. And Perez has a new, a new book that's out. Which, if you could remind us how to get it. PerezHiltonBook.com. Check it out. I'm really proud of it. Um, I I wanted to just start with the the celebrity stuff. But my publisher and co-writers felt that my life and my story could resonate. And Mm -hmm. people could really um, put themselves in my place in so many ways. And my family leaving Cuba and starting over again. And I don't know. Having said all that... I think my book's going to flop. I think nobody's going to buy it, but I don't care. No, All we're not going to end on negativity no, no, like no, no, that. No, 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 Hell no. The book no. is going to be a hit. This it family won't. tree listeners <laughs> are going to buy it. We're going to buy it because it is oh. going to give me a little peace of mind every day. And But, but even if it if, even if even it does flop, which I really I'm, – I'm I like to be a, a realist. <laughs> yeah. I, or maybe it won't flop, but I don't think it will make the New York Times bestseller list the first week. Okay. Um, for me, it's still a win that I mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. Because I've learned now 16 years in my career, I'm the OG influencer. Before that word existed, there was me. You know, I was calling into your, your place of work and I was on the phone with Much On Demand in 2007 that. and 2008, like calling into MOD with Leah Miller. Um, <laughs> and and um, I've outlasted all of the other influencers. The life of an influencer the shelf life isn't very long. If you're lucky, it's four to seven years. If you're lucky, in some instances, it's just two. Mm -hmm. I've now lasted 16 years. And yeah, listen, I'm super honest about myself. I'm not a hot, I'm not an it girl anymore. I'm not hot right now, but I'm still here. I'm still in the game. And I will always be here because I'm Perez Hilton. Always be here, always be influencing. And Perez, I do have to say that although, you know, we took some kind of morbid turns toward the end, you brought a lot of joy into my day. I have been looking forward to this for long before I even knew I was ever going to be doing interviews. So thank you so much for joining us because it it really did make me so happy. And what's your Instagram account for people to follow? I want to get you, if if there's ebbs and flows to your career, I want to get it flowing where you Uh are that it girl or it person. I have two. I have one that's my personal, which is the Perez Hilton. And then the website's just at Perez Hilton. So if you just care about celebrity stuff, go to at Perez Hilton. I post some celebrity stuff on mine, my personal one, but like all of the stuff about the coronavirus or the the protests and uh, my kids and my mom, that's on my personal one, the Perez Hilton. All right, perfect. So check that out. And thank you so much. Yes. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And you have a good day. Thank you. Thank and you, I appreciate you guys. And uh, I wish you uh, the healthiest, easiest delivery. Um, <laughs> thank you. And um, it'll be... It'll be magic. Always. Things suck right now, <laughs> but a newborn, while it's exhausting, there is nothing quite as healing and beautiful and special as a baby. No, you're right. And all the best to your mom and your sweet, sweet, sweet kids because they really are the cutest. So thank you, Press. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to go cry now. (laughs) Thanks so much. Bye, Press. Have a good one. All right. So what did you think of Perez? That was so much fun. Like, honestly, my 20-year-old dream is coming true. 
it's funny because, you know, you and I have been in pretty interesting situations. Like we did a cooking show with Hayden Christensen yeah. once <laughs> and we're pretty good at not being starstruck. But Perez is such a part of the cultural lexicon that everyone knows Perez. He is a household name. And it's just so surreal to be speaking with this person. In fact, you know, he, as we mentioned in the episode, he did our daughter's baptism cameo. Uh, cameo <laughs> and it was her birthday on her baptism, too. But anyways, uh, that, was, that was a, blast that was a huge me. thrill for yes. us. And I had trouble even chiming in because I just wanted to listen every word he oh said. Oh, my God. I, just, I had so much fun. Like, that was like such a little mini party for me. Now let's get to Kristen and Dina from Big Little Feelings, who are experts in toddler tantrums, all things child behavior, and if I may say, miracle workers. Love these women. Get a notepad handy, because you're going to want to jot some of this stuff down, because it does work. Good idea. But first. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs literally make the best bras I have ever worn. I would hope literally. I would hope they're <laughs> no, really literally. making these. No, and it's really, I do love them, and that's why I recommend them. So I've always recommended them to my moms who are pregnant or postpartum, which you can get go and get those bras at bravadodesigns.com. However, all my non-mom friends have been loving them too because if you go to their Canadian website, ca.bravadodesigns.com, you will have access to their brand new everyday collection, no clips, same comfort. It's basically heaven for your boobs. And I'm a man here, and I'm chiming in, which is like, why take my word for it? But I just want to say this about Alex. We talk about this off air, and I ask her, is our bravado designs really the best? And she says, of course they are. Mm -hmm. And she has no facade about her. She would not lie to you. And on top of that, we reached out to Bravado to sponsor this podcast. They did not approach us. And the reason we reached out is because we only want to deal with companies that we truly love. That's true. And Alex truly loves this company. And she would not BS you. That being said, at checkout, please use this family tree 20 to get 20% off. And then you'll be in heaven for your boobs. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Hope you guys enjoy them as much as I do. And we are also supported by... By the Miku Smart Baby Monitor. It is, honestly, the best baby monitor we have ever used. Well, you don't really appreciate a baby monitor until you've had a bad baby monitor. Sorry, several bad baby monitors. The worst. Uh, <laughs> like, we had one where... It claimed to be a portable baby monitor, yet you were always attached to it because unless it was plugged in, it simply wouldn't oh work. Oh my God. And so many with bad video. Like you cannot see your baby. Your baby looks like a little demon. Oh, there was times when I thought Lou was in her crib, but it was just a stuffed animal and you were with her. You know what I mean? Like, it literally didn't do its job. Anyway, we're very, very thankful to have Miku. One of our favorite things about it is the video quality. Honestly, is I can't... Is it military grade? It's actually called sensor fusion technology, and that is what tracks babies' real-time breathing and their sleep. And then it gives you, at the end of the night, all the analytics on how they slept and their breathing patterns. So with Lucy, I barely got any sleep at night because I was so concerned at watching her chest go up and down. But with Miku, it alerts you within seconds of your baby's chest not moving. It's really amazing and She's honest. almost like too safe now. <laughs> well, then can I actually finally get a wink of sleep? I think so. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. But yeah, if you can't tell, we're in love with Miku. If you go to MikuCare.com and you want to get your hands on a Miku Smart Monitor, you can use the promo code ThisFamilyTree20 to get $79 off. That's huge. It's no joke. We hope that you will get as much sleep as we now are with your new Miko Smart Monitor. And enjoy this interview with Big Little Feelings. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello, it worked. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's always it so going? thrilling when it does. All right. So, Dina and Kristen, we are so glad to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining us. And you are the founders of Big Little Feelings, which is a... Your, your toddler behavior experts. Can you tell the, little, the listeners a little more about that? Um, I'm a child therapist in Los Angeles. So that's kind of my part of Big Little Feelings is to weigh in on child development and um, milestones and to help parents understand a little bit more about like the deep dynamics at play with your toddler. Right and how their brain works. That's a huge piece of my background. Yeah, so Dina is like the the neuroscience nerd and then every day, (laughs) like working with kids every day and that is beyond me. I am, as some people put it, I don't know what the the other lady does. (laughs) 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 Because I'm, as you would say, I'm just a mom. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, so I'm a mom and that's kind of my role of Big Little Feelings is everything we kind of found was really high level therapy, not super relatable to, you know, my or mom's everyday life. Mm-hmm. So I take all of the stuff that Dina has been studying and doing and, and implementing with her child therapy and then I'm just showing you guys literally how it works with my two crazy toddlers and my crazy life and being that like voice with you that it doesn't also have to be perfect too, yeah. you know. So you're the test dummy. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's a nice way to word it, Alex. Test Sorry. dummy. <laughs> guinea pig, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, guinea pig's better than anything guinea with the word pig. dummy. <laughs> um, I, no, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it is so great to become acquainted with you ladies. Um, your forum helps so many people. Uh, anytime I post a question or something that I'm going through with my daughter, Lucy, who is now two, people are always like, oh, big little feelings. And I'm like, yeah, great. I've been following <laughs> follow them already. They're amazing. And then I, in turn, kind of bring people towards you guys. Uh, But I really appreciate what you do. And today we just kind of wanted to get into, because a lot of our listenership have kids around the same age as me. So, you know, turning to one and a half to three. And Shane and I are seeing a totally different side of our sweet little angel. She's kind of a demon sometimes. Yeah, I wanted to ask right off the bat. So my daughter just turned two. They always talk about terrible twos. Is that really a thing or do people just think two is the worst age? It has so much to do, honestly, (laughs) with the brain development at this age. Their brains are exploding in a way that like even older kids, it's not happening like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Where everything is stimulating, everything is new and their minds are trying to make sense of every new experience. So they're constantly firing. Right. And that's, yeah, that's a huge piece of what we talk about, too, of like helping kids feel like they're in the know, helping them feel prepared about what they can expect, because that really like combats that brain development of the terrible twos mm-hmm. so that they feel like, you know, there's a little bit more stability and control. So it's what they're doing and how they're reacting behaviorally all comes from just what they're sensing around them and how they're dealing with all of that. 
essentially. Yeah. They literally don't, if, to put it into like real life context, it would be like as if you're confused about everything, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't know kind of anything and you're starting to piece it together, right? So here's an example that like when, especially at two, my, my daughter, like if she were to see a cat, right? And you're like, oh, look at that beautiful cat. But she's been calling it a kitty for a while. And she's like, no, 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 it's not a cat. It's a kitty. It's a kitty. You know, I'm freaking out. And you're like, all right, dude, like, it's a kitty. I get it. Like, kitty is another word for cat. She's like, no, 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 no. They're literally trying to, like, make total sense and piece together of the world. And they also don't really understand time, too. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that's why all of the freakouts happen when it's time for bed. And you're like, we just did jammies. We just did teeth. Like, we've done this every day, all the time. How could this possibly be a surprise? Mm-hmm. And that's the other element. Their brains just aren't there yet. Everything mm-hmm. is kind of a surprise. And trying, they're trying actively to piece those together in themselves. When it comes to physical violence from your daughter, maybe uh, abusing the father, uh, <laughs> Lucy has gotten into strangling me like both when she's both when she's angry and when she's happy (laughs) well sometimes it's funny but sometimes it actually hurts because she can get quite the grip on me and I was wondering like I don't know how to react to stop that behavior because sometimes when it's funny I'll laugh and sometimes when she's really upset and hurting me uh, I'll I'll be like I don't want to yell at her but I I also want to stop this behavior totally Yeah, we usually like to use a framework of first, you'll accept and acknowledge the feeling. Mm -hmm. So you'll acknowledge in that moment because you kind of describe two different situations. Either it's, I see you want to play, you're feeling really silly, you want to play with daddy, right? Or there's, you're upset, you're frustrated about what's happening. So you're going to accept and acknowledge the feelings. Then we're going to state the boundary. This is super important. This is where we say, you know, either in that playful moment, it's that's too hard. I'm going to help you let go now. Or if they're frustrated and upset again, it's, it's okay to feel upset. You know, it's not okay to hurt daddy Mm -hmm. when you're upset. And then we want to help them shift to the yes. So this is about teaching them what they can do. Here's how we can play with daddy. Here's a gentle way. Let's try again. Or it's okay to feel upset. We can't hit or choke. But here's what we can do. You can tell me, Daddy, I didn't like that. You can say, you know, I'm not done playing yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about for things that are okay sometimes and not okay another time? And if it's the exact same action, for instance, Mm -hmm. she likes to pretend she's a dinosaur very often. So she'll go, rawr! And when it's playtime, it's great if she's a dinosaur. But when we want her to eat or it's bedtime and it's time to wind down, the dinosaur is not as welcome. And I don't know how to not confuse her when sometimes I'm encouraging and sometimes I'm dissuading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I think it's huh, that's a tricky one because mm-hmm. with your last example, for us, um, we think that there's a boundary of like physical, you know, anything that's physical, like you said, like choking or hitting or whatever. You want to be wildly consistent, but you never really want to laugh. And you always want to kind of stick with that really calm, like script over and over and over again. With the dinosaur example, I would kind of even just go with it at bedtime, but you Mm -hmm. still need to lay the boundary down, right? So if this dinosaur can get into bed at the reasonable time and hour that we want her to get into the dinosaur (laughs) in bed, that's great, right? And so we can kind of 
encourage that by being something like, it's okay to be silly. You're feeling really silly right now. It's time for bed. Let's get into, and you just really state the boundary Mm -hmm. over and over Mm -hmm. and over and get them into bed. And that may lead to then her being upset. I think maybe you're wanting to keep the dinosaur going. And that's more of the problem is like, it's okay to just kind of without shutting down the dinosaur part of it's time for bed. We're going to bed. Let's go to bed, little dinosaur, and just keep it going. Right. Keep it going that way. Mm-hmm. One thing that I struggle with is that she suddenly has aversions at this age to things that she used to be totally fine with. So in my mind, it's like, well, you used to get this. You used to not have a problem with brushing your teeth and taking a bath before bed. And now she doesn't want to have anything to do with brushing her teeth, nothing to do with bath. She just wants to go in her crib. And it's like, we've been doing this for for two (laughs) years now, two years. And she has been so consistent and so good. So it's like, what in that situation would cause her to change or become overwhelmed? Because we've maintained the consistency. And the only change it feels like anyway, is on her part of just refusing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Dina talk about why that happened, but I'm just going to say right now, like, not in the worst way possible. I hate when people say this, but, like, kind of welcome to motherhood, you know? <laughs> like, unfortunately, the the phases, it's like, you think you got something down, and it's like the baby stage, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I finally got this down. Like, now they're sleeping like this. And then the next day, you're like, what's that? What just mm. happened? So Absolutely. I'll let Dina go into the why, but it, it's going to happen. And I will chime in and say it's developmentally totally on track, healthy that you're seeing this. This is actually a great sign mm-hmm. because part of what happens is as they get older and they realize that they can walk away and their bodies can do certain things that their bodies couldn't do before. And they have this natural desire to explore that. And what that ends up meaning is they really explore their sense of control and power. Mm -hmm. So part of what we want to do is help them feel powerful Mm -hmm. by making small choices while we maintain the boundaries as the adults and make the big choices. Mm -hmm. So with bedtime, for example, we choose when it's time to go to bed. Mm -hmm. We choose how many books we're going to read that night. And maybe a small choice to help fulfill that natural urge for power and control is she gets to pick the two books or she gets to pick between three books, Mm -hmm. right? Kind of want to maintain the structure for them because that actually helps them feel really safe overall. Right. But then, yeah, give them control where we can, where it's appropriate. Okay. In some, one area we're having trouble with control and this is extreme way to word it but it's almost she has like a sadistic side when it is um when it comes to like dropping food on the floor when she's eating and then we'll she used to pick it up and enjoy the cleaning but now she's like no you clean it up she used to be so helpful but there's no like uh at all like even if i'm like let's do it together like i'm gonna pick up this piece and put it in the garbage now you help she'll be like no you do it and she gets this crazy smile Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) sounds right how do we trick her into cleaning just a little bit all i want is 10 percent help here that is a tough one and You know, when it comes to throwing food, we could talk about that because that's kind of its own thing. And it's super common at a certain age too. So I'd be curious to hear more if it's like actively during mealtime throwing food 
But, you know, when it comes to having them do things, we have to realize too, we can't, we can't control their bodies. Mm -hmm. Like I wish we could. So we have to get creative too. Once they hit that power struggle stage, which is what I'm hearing. It's like, you know, I say it's time to clean up and now we're in a power struggle because she's saying no. Right. So we have some ideas. Kristen, do you want to share some of our like go-tos? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. I mean, so with cleaning, cleaning in general, again, that's just something that's not, not, doesn't come that easily to kids. And I think people kind of put that expectation a little early. However, what, what I personally think is more key here is, is the food throwing, right? right? And so I think you guys are meaning by having her clean up the food five minutes, three minutes, seven minutes later, that that's going to discourage her from throwing the food in the first place. But it's actually a little bit, she's only two years old. Mm -hmm. So that actually might work for like a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, even a 10-year-old. We really want need for at two years old, the consequence to be right away, like direct and right away. And so for food throwing, what we recommend, especially at two, she's totally old enough to get this. Babies, it's a little trickier, but at two years old, it needs to be swift and right in the moment. Parents are always a little bit afraid to because it's food and you don't want your kid to starve. I'm assuming you guys are loving, wonderful parents (laughs) and they're probably, she's going to have a snack in what, hour and a half, two Mm -hmm. hours from now, right? And so the key is to just be really consistent right away. When she first throws that food, I see that you're throwing food. You're telling me that you're all done. Are you all done? And she'll probably be like, no, 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 I'm not all done, right? So one more time, let her do it. She throws the food. Then after that one time, okay, it sounds like it looks like you're all done with your food. You're telling me you're all done. And then you you do, you take the food away, you put the plate up because it's right there in that moment. Right. Her brain is like, okay, got it, right? Mm-hmm. Five, six, seven minutes later, it's not really going to compute. And that's probably the disconnect. And that, again, she's going to have a snack in two hours. She's mm-hmm. not going to starve. And I really firmly, you'll be surprised if you hold these boundaries kind of firmly, but calmly, mm-hmm. lovingly, we're not getting upset. Mm-hmm. We're just like, you're telling me you're done. We're all done now. It really should only take three or four times, honestly, Mm -hmm. and just consistent every single time. And she's going to understand that then if she wants to keep eating, she's not going to throw the food down. Right. Yeah. How important is it, speaking of food, is it to like put your foot down with the rules? Like let's say, and we've never done this by the way, but let's say she would only eat a meal if it was only ice cream uh, every meal. How bad is it to actually skip these meals and put your foot down and do what you say you're going to do? Yeah, so with mealtimes in general, um, I think it's really important. This is kind of the overview of boundaries are incredibly important. And that also starts before what you guys even said, where it's like if she says she wants this for a snack, that's almost a little red flag right there. Mm -hmm. So you as the parents are going to decide when when you're eating. That way, you know, in two hours, she's going to eat. So you don't feel badly about taking it away, first of all, <laughs> and also what she's eating. And so if eating is kind of a struggle or even in general, either way, we always recommend one safe food with every single meal. So maybe that's your kid only eats mac and cheese for right now, or they love rice or they love a tortilla or something like that. So you always want to give one safe food that they really like and then two other new foods or, or whatever you want to right? that you're saying you want her to eat. Right. And from there, you got to just kind of like let go and back off because she needs to learn her own body. Like, is she hungry? What is she hungry for? And avoiding that big power struggle, because otherwise, when she hears 
you say you only get ice cream if you eat the broccoli, it becomes an engaged power struggle beyond belief, right? Mm -hmm. But if you simply put the food in front of her and you know she has one safe food and this is what we are eating today, then like you said, you can be very firm with that boundary knowing that there's a safe food that she likes on that plate. She can choose to eat it or not. And then she will eat again in two hours if she chooses not to eat that one. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And you just keep doing that all day long. Yeah. A big phrase for that, that we love is the parent provides and the child decides. So Mm -hmm. big choice. You guys decide what's on the menu today. And then she'll decide how much of that she eats, knowing that there is one safe food on that plate. Mm -hmm. So the more we play it cool, the more we take the pressure off of eating, the more safe it feels to explore different foods. And studies show it could take up to a hundred exposures to a new food to actually (laughs) eat. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, no. Um, We've talked a lot about power struggles and that's, you know, something that keeps being brought up in various situations, whether it's physical, about food, about bedtime. Uh, So we are transitioning, will be transitioning our life. I'm just about nine months pregnant. So we're going to be introducing a sibling and things are going to get very different around here, obviously. She's used to me putting her to bed every night because I like fight too. I like to, uh, but Shane's going to be taking over that so I can take care of the new baby and just other little things. Like I don't even know how it's going to impact her life, but do you guys have any tips for families that are introducing a sibling or whatever into their life, how we can transition our kids gently and minimize power struggles? I know we can't avoid them, but just to, to minimize them. Yeah, you're in luck. Actually, we do have tips. And I literally (laughs) just lived that life. (laughs) Literally just did it. Yeah. So that's kind of the key here. Um, Don't be so nervous. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, There are totally tips and tricks. And I think it's less of power struggles. And it's more of like the internal struggle, you know, where you're actually I think it's not going to feel quite as much of like power struggle and more of you just being like, Oh, man, like, she feels less important and you're just gonna that's kind of where you I think most parents you know Mm -hmm. end up getting to so prepping is key that's really like our biggest thing by the way for everything toddler power struggles if you prepare 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 and that means like every single book if she watches screens then every single Elmo about siblings every single book that is out there about siblings you want to even have her pretend Uh, you probably already did Mm -hmm. this maybe with baby dolls things like that Mm -hmm. right um you can even go so far i would definitely encourage dad to start doing bedtime now before baby already comes even having like a visual chart and hopefully mama sometimes you can do bedtime that Mm -hmm. way she knows it's not forever this isn't the way things always Mm -hmm. are and then once they come one of our biggest 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 tips and kind of secrets is what we call the 10 minute miracle And that is just, it isn't that complex. And yet it can literally transform these little kids. Like it's crazy. All it is, is each parent gets one 10 minute period of time with that toddler. All the phones are down. There are no siblings. The baby is not on your boob. Dad's not around. No one else is around for 10 whole minutes. She gets to choose what you play. You call it something special and you just like really tune in and focus in on her. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like that much, but just think of how much our daily lives, we're always around each other or we're like kind of, you know, this or that or whatever. It really can be 
life-changing when the new baby comes for her to feel special. So that's mm-hmm. the 10 minute miracle you call it? Yeah, that's what we call it. I like yeah, that. No, it's I like good. That. Yeah. It really and uh, by the way, that really applies to if you ever have like night wakings, if you have like behavior overnight that's just like, "Whoa, she's fighting me on everything." Mm-hmm. We always just throw that in. I mean, it can really transform things to just feel focused and fill up that tank. And when it's over, and by the way, use a timer so that the timer goes off and say, okay, we're doing it again tomorrow. She knows that it's coming every single day. She'll get her time just like baby gets their time. Exactly. A lot of times if we can fill up their tank with that positive, constructive attention, the Mm -hmm. one-on-one time where there's no phones, there's no siblings, they get to be just loved by you then they don't rely so much on that bad behavior to try and get your attention and your care. And I had uh, my last question was about, um, I don't know how to word this. Um, It's not severe like self-harm or anything, but when she's upset, she will collapse Mm -hmm. on the ground and bang her head. She'll mostly try to gauge, she'll like act like she's hurting herself. She, She usually knows she's not, but sometimes she does give aggressive force and she'll try to bang her head on the ground to show us that she's willing to hurt herself if we don't give her what she wants and it really makes me uncomfortable yeah how do we stop that this is common especially when their brains are still developing Mm. and they don't quite have those language skills yet like an older child might be able to say i'm so upset right now but she's showing you through her body like you're saying so what you'll do is kind of go back to that framework we talked about of accept and acknowledge state the boundary and shift to the s So you'll, in that moment, start to say, I see you're so upset. You really wanted me to say yes to ice cream right now. I hear you. I won't let you hurt yourself. And you'll gently kind of put your hand in and help her not get hurt, essentially. Mm -hmm. And tell her, it's okay to be upset, but I won't let you hurt yourself. I'm right here for you. You know, I have a hug for you if you want a hug. But really to consistently hold those boundaries over time because what ends up happening if we get pushed to our limit and we're uncomfortable and we say yes in that moment because we want this to stop then they'll push even harder next time because they've Mm -hmm. seen what works it becomes like a fresh nightmare when you when you really just you know i know it so well where you're just like okay we're just gonna stop this like fine have the ice cream that's how the nightmare starts it really does (laughs) and can we are we allowed to raise our voices to our kids? Well, you know, it's one thing to be very direct, but when you get loud, what actually ends up happening is their brain and their body perceive it as a threat. Mm -hmm. And when they feel threatened, they don't feel safe. And if they don't feel safe, we can pretty much guarantee a meltdown, a bigger meltdown. Yeah. 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 I mean, every parent, first of all, our whole thing is every parent should do whatever they need to do, whatever they want to do, whatever works for them. And with raising your voice, I think there's, there's two different things. It's a long term thing that may not like Dina said, it kind of like shuts them down. It's Mm -hmm. not so great. But also short term, you'd be really surprised that it's just not effective, honestly, because if we can stay really calm, and we can say you look like you're really upset, just staying really calm in that moment, when they're really heightened, and they have literally no concept of what's going in their brain right then, you'd be surprised how quickly actually the tantrum can pass, the calmer you stay. Mm-hmm. Same with even bad behavior, let's say, right? It's not even she's freaking out or she's in a tantrum. Let's just say she's doing something that's really bad, quote mm-hmm. unquote, just something really bad. She's drawing on the wall, she's doing whatever. 
That's actually something called intermittent reinforcement. Okay. So accidentally, if she were if she were doing something, let's call bad, and you accidentally yell at her, you're actually promoting her to do it again and again and again. Because a two-year-old, her dream is for you to kind of like stop everything you're doing and pay attention to her. Yeah. Right. So suddenly, because you're having a really big reaction to what she's doing, whoops, like she's going to keep doing it, wanting your mm-hmm. big reaction, even though it's a bad reaction. She still actually wants it. So we actually recommend to be as calm as humanly right. possible. And then when they're calm, you can teach those like better things of what they can do or what they should do. That way you're not accidentally fueling more of that bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably valuable even in the confines of a marriage to just not raise your voice <laughs> to, to de-escalate. Yeah. I literally, I sometimes go through my feed and I'm like, I really need to do this with my husband because... <laughs> You know, I should really be acknowledging his feelings. And it's so true. It's so true. Uh, But it goes back to the whole idea of like, especially in your marriage and being a couple, it's not about being right when you're fighting. Mm -hmm. It's about being heard and understood. And that's often what settles us down is like, oh, you care, you get it. Mm-hmm. Same with our toddlers. I, I can relate 100% to a toddler in that regard of, you know, just getting so frustrated. Like I'm very even keel most of the time. And then if I feel like I'm not being heard or if I feel like I can't yeah. get my point across, even if it's for me, like even if Shane's sitting there and willing to listen and I'm having yeah. a hard time kind of vocalizing, which obviously toddlers have a hard time doing because they're learning how to speak, it can mm-hmm. become so frustrating and it puts me in tears. And Lucy and I last week both ended up on the kitchen floor crying because we couldn't. They both wanted ice cream. It was a huge thing. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. I've been there. (laughs) Those pregnancy cravings—they're crazy. But and it was—we were just having a hard time communicating, and I was trying to stay as calm as I could, but I was also having like a hormonal pregnancy meltdown. And then we were just both sitting in there and Shane came in the kitchen and saw us both crying on the floor (laughs) and had to kind of piece things together for both of us. But I do think that's such a good way to go into things. And I think that for a lot of parents, instinctively, they want to raise their voice or yell because it's just reactive. But I think that because you talked about like... Do, do what's best for your family. But I think if they knew the repercussions it could have in the fact that things like raising your voice, yelling, aren't going to actually help in the long run, like scientifically, I think everybody would be parenting with a more gentle approach in that regard. Mm. Um, and I wanted to, just before we go, for any other listeners who have children that are, you know, going through these tough times, is there any, like go-to magical thing regardless of their situation that they can start implementing on the regular to just make lives a little smoother? Well, I would say definitely just to reiterate the 10 minute miracle. I mean, that is a game changer for pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. So definitely that. And then again, that idea of like accepting and acknowledging feelings and emotions and needs But holding those boundaries is something that when you do this daily, what you're ultimately doing is helping your child build their own inner voice, Mm -hmm. their voice of being able to name their emotions that are going through their body, being able to pause when it's getting overwhelming, recognizing that there are limits and that there are healthier ways to handle those hard moments. 
So doing that daily is like such a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say on the same, on the same token that I think people would be incredibly surprised. It's really the two same things over and over again. Like Dina said, is accepting the feeling. It sounds so fluffy. Like it really does. And like (laughs) idealistic and, and all of those things. And like Dina's point, that's where Dina comes in is long term, right? But in the short term, again, if you want that tantrum to be shorter, it's kind of crazy. If you just say like, whoa, dude, you're feeling really upset, like that really upset you. You'd be really surprised how much shorter those meltdowns get. Honestly, honestly, God, just today, right now, you can shorten meltdowns by just like seeing them and making them feel heard and not minimizing being like, being like it's a purple crayon why are you upset it's just like you said with adults like that you could do that today and I guarantee you that the meltdowns would probably get shorter and the other side of that is holding the boundaries consistently like we've talked about it's another total game changer if you if you say iPad is all done and then they start screaming and screaming and screaming and you're like oh god I can't take it fine just one more just one more it's fine it's fine well Every single day, their tantrum and that power struggle, it's going to get more and more and more and more mm-hmm. and more. And so literally today, that is one thing you could do right now is like when you say something is done or you say something is it's time for this, stick with that in a really calm, loving way. And if you do like hold your boundaries and hold what your words are for, I would say even three days, I guarantee you your life is going to be easier in like three days. Like that's yeah. how quick kids pick up on this is okay she means it ipad is all done we're done totally and listen we're not always gonna get it right we're not always gonna do it perfectly and that's part of the journey too is really forgiving ourselves when we've hit our limit we're so exhausted you know we lose it that's just part of being human Mm -hmm. so to be really gentle on ourselves and remember that you can always repair with your child yeah and the way to do that is just walk through review what happened you know i lost my cool i yelled i'm really sorry if i scared you if if i hurt you and say you want to do better i mean that's showing them what they can ultimately build for themselves too those are the skills we want them to have Mm -hmm. And then just like get into bed with some Ben and Jerry's and really take some time. If you drink wine, have wine. The second this baby comes out, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Woo, yes. Real. And I, I hear things on both sides of the fence on this, and I'm wondering if I could get your expert opinion here. Sometimes I hear people say that boys are, or are wilder or I'll hear something that girls are a certain way, little girls and boys aren't. Is there any truth to that or are they pretty much the same more or less? So I dove deep into the science of that a while ago, and ultimately, boys and girls are wired the same when it comes to needs and emotions. And you'll see, I mean, I've worked with lots of kids. There are high energy kids and there are you know, high energy boys and girls. So ultimately, each child is different in mm-hmm. that sense. And that's really what we want to tune into is like, who is your child? How much energy yeah. do they have? Because for boys and girls, really the emotional needs are exactly the same. Yeah. Right. What are you having, by the way? What's your second? Another girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So I have two girls. He's going to be surrounded. So oh, I was I'm wondering s- on that question. I'm so excited. Yeah, no. I'm very pumped. But Lucy, our, yeah. our daughter now, she is, uh, she's, she's a wild child. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it does, like, she so exerts her own you know, individuality and her own power constantly, which is funny and and tough. Like, it's tough. And I think you guys touched on this. Like, it's so much learning that the kids are going through 
like minute by minute at this age and so much learning that we're doing trying to keep up with them and unlearning of things that we thought we were doing right and thought were working and then trying to take on new tactics so like I totally appreciate that and I totally appreciate the insight from both of you and before we go where can people find you at if they would like to learn more from you Yeah. So our Instagram is a great resource. We try to put so many tips and strategies out there for just day-to-day use. So that's at big little feelings. And then our website is available too. So that's www.biglittlefeelings.com. And soon we'll be having a course on all of this stuff so that it's just kind of like right at your fingertips, what to do, what to say. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard a guest do the www uh, know, like in that. a long time. I like that. That's old school. You know, it's very old school. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Okay. So we have our course launching in two weeks. It's called How to Win the Toddler Stage. And you can win the toddler stage if <laughs> all of that stuff is in one place. And that's the hardest stage, right? Please tell me that is. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that just from personal experience, that's what I am here to base on, that my daughter's approaching four, and I know a lot of people say the three-nagers and the this and the that, and I just have to say that for me personally, and from those that I've talked to, too, approaching four, it feels, I really don't want to, like, get people's hopes up right now, but okay. <laughs> it feels better. It feels a lot better oh, good. to me. You know, like, yeah, she can go to use the bathroom by herself. She can go that's do lots good. of things by herself. She, even uh, last week, she when she gets upset, She goes and she'll say, mom, I'm going to take a big tiger breath right now. And instead of melting totally down, she'll take a deep breath and then she'll go, mama, I did it. And that happens, I would say, 60% of the time. But how dope is that? You know, like when they're two, there is none of that. You call that a tiger breath, a big breath? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's on our, that's one of our things too. You can find it in our course or on our Instagram. So big tiger breath is when they get upset. And so you do it with them, a big like inhale. And then let them roar and roar it out. That's something you could teach them, not in the moment when they're mad, but teach them that when they're like during bedtime Mm. or like an unrelated moment. Just be like, if you feel mad, do this. And then they'll get it. Like they'll start to do it. Amazing. That's the best. So from four until puberty, it's hopefully smoother sailing. Exactly. That's what people keep telling (laughs) me too with two girls is like, just wait for the teenagers. I know. I cannot (laughs) wait. (laughs) Um, So... Again, I just want to clarify what the like the general date that course will be out for people. June June twenty. Well, we're hoping for June twenty second. So okay. end of June. Okay, yeah. amazing. So listeners, keep your eyes open. Kristen and Dina, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was so enjoyable. We learned so much, and we really appreciate it. Yay! Thank you, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. I hope you guys took up Shane's suggestion on getting a notepad and a pen because there was so much great information in that. I loved that interview. I loved what we learned. And the 10 minute miracle, I like that. It's amazing. It's so smart. And And I'm going to be using that like crazy. What I loved about all their tips is that everything is so easy to implement and it almost seems too easy like it won't work. But we've been doing it since our conversation with them and it has been so amazing. Yeah. Like everything's been so helpful. Let's get to the section that is some people's favorite part <laughs> where, where we give 
advice to people, even Answer though we questions. don't, even though we don't really know anything. But it's kind of a fun segment here. No, I, th- I think that's why we have the podcast. We we do the learning and then can regurgitate that information at a later time. But the first question is, I think, an error on the askers' part. So I believe that they were thinking that I was asking about questions for Perez. But Shane, let's see if you have an answer for this. Okay. Can you ask him about how Deepak Chopra changed his life? Well, you know, Deepak has always been a big... No, I can't even do that. I can't even do that. I'm, I'm, I'm a beer deep. So. All right. First, uh, first question we can answer. Are Canadians as crazy over Degrassi as Americans are? I've been binge re-watching. I have a Degrassi shirt that Shane got me several years ago. It's just Drake in a wheelchair. Yeah, but that's Degrassi the next generation. Anytime someone's talking about um, the American obsession, I think they're talking about the original Degrassi. But that brings me to my next point. I don't even know because I've never seen an episode or even 30 seconds of an episode. Yeah, I, I like it. I used to do promos for Degrassi. I find it... When it's bad, it's good, and when it's good, it's good. But like bad and good in a way like that bad you like in make a fun way. of it? Or like... yeah, yeah, in the way that we would watch The Bachelor. When you okay. watch The Bachelor, you and I can yeah. make fun of it, but when it's actually a heartwarming moment or something cool, we can shed a tear over it. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I know not too much about it. I have a lot of friends who watch it, though, but uh, never got into it. Next question. I like these TV questions. What is the future of Vanderpump Rules. So as you guys may know, there were four massive firings. I'd say two massive firings. Two massive firings. Max two and, that we didn't care about. Max and what's the guy who's kind of hot? Brett or Brent? Yeah, Max and Brett can... Good riddance. Like, I never I never got too attached no. to them. But Stassi's such an integral part, and Kristen's such an integral part, because Stassi's kind of that main uh, alpha yeah, she's like the girl of the show. And Kristen is like somebody who really stirs the pot and can't help herself. And she's so irritating yeah. and lovable and then t- totally irritating again. You need the, these elements in a show. And I don't know if it can last. And I hear there's even Jax might be leaving. Yeah, and like makes total sense. And here's the thing. If you're going to throw... What makes total sense? Well, for Jax, like he's the biggest dickhead of all of them. Because I do think they're going to get rid of Jax. And by that token, I think Brittany's going to be gone. And then, I mean, Sheena has her moments. But who wants to watch the Sheena show? Well, we're actually trying to book Sheena as a guest. We are. But that's because she has her moments. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I do have some exciting news in regards to all that. I guess. So obviously what Stassi and Kristen did was reprehensible. They called the cops on a black cast I member. I think they actually featured that in the show. Within, they did. Yeah. So they called the cops on a black cast member knowing that she did not commit this crime that they accused her of. And it was awful. And that's why they're getting fired. Stassi just came back to social media this week for the first time since she got fired. Hasn't put out an apology or anything aside from when she did when she first got fired. Like hasn't addressed it since. But did announce that her and Bo are expecting a little racist baby. Well, why is the baby racist? Um, Come on, let's... The baby's not racist. I'm kidding. The baby's innocent until proven guilty, but they're expecting their first child. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I don't think the show's going to last. It's always hard when a cast is so important, like a show like Friends, a show like Seinfeld. <clears throat> if you replace Kramer, even with the same writing, or a guy, or George's character, even with the same writing, that show yeah. is not going to be the same. There's a certain magic with the Vanderpump Rules cast. 
And I don't think you can just insert some other zany yeah. characters and expect to have the same chemistry. Because I didn't give a shit about Max or Brent. No. Or Brett. Or whatever his name is. Case in point, I don't even know their names. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. All right, the next question any tips for cutting out a bedtime bottle for a two-year-old so we have not done this to be honest I haven't even considered doing this I still give Lucy a bottle before bedtime when she wakes up in no the morning. you considered cutting it out at nap time. well I, I consider cutting it out at nap, nap time and I did for a little bit but then once COVID happened everything was kind of crazy and I just needed her to be quiet and go to sleep at nap time so I implemented the bottle again but when I did cut it out and it did work I just did it cold turkey. But when I did cut it out and it did work, I just started off by giving her for a few nights in a row like one ounce in the bottle and that was it. And then after maybe three or four days of that, it was just nothing. And I put her to bed and she cried and it was kind of hard for that one day. And then she just got used to it. So we do everything pretty quickly, like weaning her from breastfeeding, things like that. I think that we have found for our situation that just, you know, ripping the band-aid off is the best way to do it because they get over it quicker. I just do what you tell me to do. Exactly. So we got it. We got a good system. Yes, but... we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I say do it quickly as you can. Maybe start off with one ounce in the bottle and then take it away after a couple days. And I say the same thing. There you go. Can't go wrong. Okay, how do I get my two-year-old not to rely on the pacifier? Same thing. Easy peasy. Next. Well, we're really nailing uh, these questions. <laughs> <laughs> You're there, welcome to use my catchphrase. Is there anything you and Shane get nervous to tell each other about? I know what Shane gets nervous to tell me, and what? that's when you're going to go out or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the look he's giving me right now. Well, that's he, it. like, shuddered. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like telling you anything that revolves around me leaving the house and not being around you. Because you get upset. Oh, I just get lonely and bored. What about uh, you? For me... I think you're, you have an unhealthy fear to tell me things. I, I don't like, okay, if there's something that I'm upset about that Shane is doing, like if something's frustrating me or if I think that he said something in a tone that wasn't nice, I get nervous to, to say something because I just don't like rocking the boat. But then it's not healthy because then I hold it in and then I just go and get tell you 10 things at once that piss me off and that's yeah, you not will literally hold stuff in for over a year and then tell me at like the worst moment possible <laughs> which will ruin like days of our lives but i'm which is a uh, soap opera we love to watch in the afternoons <laughs> and now it's like it's ruined today because we got in a fight get out of here but yeah so i think that's that next question did you film your first birth and would you do it again oh yeah i have a, a board that i write down little reminders on and i have written on it right now do not forget gopro camera there you go and our first birth was filmed with a gopro like a shittier gopro i was just say gopro knockoff yeah it was a gopro knockoff i got it from my work for free it's worth about 19 dollars. it's called a cobra cam terrible video, <laughs> video quality but you know what it's better than nothing yeah so we have our daughter coming out and just the beautiful moment shortly after that where you're hugging Lucy and everything. You're crying. And, you know, I did an edit where I put like a Jesse Reyes song to it. It's it's emotional. And honestly, when I watch it back now, I do get misty every single time. Mm -hmm. And he did it so well. So, yeah, we will be filming this one, too, because it is just such a cool moment. And honestly, like as a parent, as a woman doing the birthing, 
you don't remember what's going on. Like, you're in such a haze. And I'm sure Shane, as the father watching my vagina split open and a human. No, like a human coming out of me and your daughter coming out of me. That's crazy. And you're not going to remember that as well as you would want to. So, to have the video is just such a cool thing to see those first moments when your kid takes their, you know, first breath of air on the earth side. Their and first? <laughs> takes their first breath of air. Oh, I didn't know what you meant. Side. And, you know, the first second that you ever get to touch them, I think is so special. So totally recommend it. If you're wondering if you should or you shouldn't, you know, ask your partner to record it. If your partner's cool with it, I say don't skip that part. Bring a camera and definitely record. It's very cool. It's not like you got to like pack the camcorder or anything. It's on your <laughs> iPhone. Like, just pull yeah. it out. Yeah. You don't even need to, like you can still look through your eyes. It's not like at a concert. Like mm-hmm. live in the moment, man. Just look with your eyes and kind of roughly film it. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, F it. Yeah. Next question. Should partners still be in contact with their ex? Uh, I, I, I think that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I I think that's a a recipe for real weirdness. Like, if it's, like, friends, if you're, like, friends, like, Jerry and Elaine, or, you know, talking on a even slightly semi-regular basis, it's just bad news. I wouldn't, I would advise against it, I think. Because I just truly, like, I do have friends that are guys, but it's not like I'm Who are these guys? Like, Peter, and... I'll kill them. (laughs) But it's not like I'm, you know going out, hanging out with them. And it's just, I just think there's always moments, especially maybe if your ex is single or something like that. I just don't think it's the right thing to do. Correct. What is your deal breaker in a relationship? Well, it's funny that this question is asked and why I like it so much is because you and I played this game like frequently. Like we'll just be sitting there talking at nighttime. We do? Yeah, Shane, you'll be like, okay, Alex, first date. Everything about me is the same except for this. And it's like you'll say like oh. I walk in with a lit cigarette. And then you know what I mean? Oh yeah, you're right. We do play that game a lot, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we do. We were playing <laughs> it, it yesterday. Seem crazy. We were talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah, that last yeah. night. And uh we always add something into the equation. Oh yeah, yeah. And you like, came at me with everything is the same <laughs> about me, except I'm eight and a half months pregnant on our first date. And what did I say? You said that you'd give it a go and see like you'd you'd be into it not into it and i truly would really yes see i think this is so exciting this is one of my favorite games of all time i'm coming up with new situations to ask you later on okay everything's the exact same about me okay except my nose is twice as big yeah twice as small twice as small would look funny twice as big would you rather my nose be twice as big or twice as small probably twice as big for real yeah because that just that would well as the guy who has to wear the nose i wish you would reconsider (laughs) (laughs) if there's an actual genie out here uh potentially making this happen no yeah i go twice as big and i stand by that the deal breaker for me there's a couple i think like if somebody uh came out smoking i'd say okay you gotta quit if you want to continue with me but i couldn't i couldn't go long term with a smoker uh and somebody that was like really into i don't know just like politically anything that i'm not into i think so if i took up smoking mm-hmm. now you would break up with me oh no because we're married i would work hard to get you to stop smoking and i would do whatever it took like i'd take you to 
stop smoking glasses, the doctors. I don't I don't know what it takes, but I do. <laughs> no, it's stop smoking glasses. You nailed it. Continue with the question. Okay. I get a lot of listening. You I, do. <laughs> For a person who needs a hearing aid, I disagree Sorry, with that. Sorry, okay. I get a lot out of listening to your podcast. Do you both get something out of it too as hosts? Well, now that we have sponsors, we do get money a little bit. So that's good. But <laughs> that's mind nice. you... We put a lot of that money back into the podcast because yeah. we're trying to make it better and buy microphones and, you know, I'm paying people to caption things and yeah. edit things. So, yeah, but besides any monetary thing, the most important thing we get out of it is we get to have conversations we would never typically mm -hmm. have because we just like sitting around watching Seinfeld. Yeah, I think we get almost therapy sessions out of it for the two of us if we're having a disagreement or if we're having a rough day it forces us to kind of come together and sort things out and I also think that it forces us to get on the same page in parenting if we're not and it feels cool like to have anyone listening right like obviously oh we're getting bigger guests we're getting more downloads and that's awesome but even in the beginning phases when we weren't getting as many it just felt cool to have anyone listening and like if we had any listener say like oh i love your podcast that makes me feel like that makes me feel very cool yes like i'm a uh like a microcosm of being famous or something yeah i and honestly i can't tell you how happy it makes us when i get a message from any one of you listeners i share it with shane right away when you do mention that you listen to the podcast or you heard something on the podcast it makes our freaking day like yeah i have an ego trip over it <laughs> i do so we do love that next question podcast number 50 isn't far off are you going to celebrate that milestone on air okay that's gonna happen after we have betty right yes i can drink guys i will celebrate on air i will get buzzed okay so let's do three shots each for our 50th episode well i don't know if i'll be able to do that much that soon but we can open up a nice bottle of champagne. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have a bottle of Veuve Clicquot waiting for us right there. That might be a good uh, In occasion. my mind, three shots was uh, negligible. Um, yeah, you're forgetting what my body's currently going through. And that's it for tonight. Those are all of our questions. We are so thankful for you guys sending them in. If you love this podcast as much as we love making it, which we hope you do, please go give us a review, give us a rating, give us a comment. Again, even if we you like just, the ego trip. Even if you just like the podcast. Yeah. Uh, give Go us, say you like it. Give us four or five stars. We'd appreciate it. Give us five stars. Come on. Cut it, Shane, with the four. Uh, I'd like to thank all the new listeners who presumably are listening to this episode for the first time. It's only going to get better, I assure you. And thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree podcast, podcast, episode 43. Bingo bongo.